Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock Hammer, I'm just curious about these classified documents found in Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, Biden's different houses, now Mike Pence's house in Carmel, as uh, Tucker Carlson called it. <laughs> Do these documents actually say the word classified on them? Like, is it is it like in the movies where it's a it's a, like a, a red stamp in block letters that says classified? Or is it like just maybe just at the end of, you know, at the end of the paper, hey, in parentheses, by the way, this is a classified document. I think they do say classified on the front, like on the cover page. Like if you're doing a report, you need to know that it's classified material. So that that leads me to my next question. If they say classified, if it's clearly marked classified, whether it be on the box that it's in or the folder that it's in, how do you not know that you can't take it home with you? Maybe there wasn't a cover to the report. Maybe it was just implied. I don't know. I've never had classified documents. Is there so I don't is know. there somebody at the White House with a big stamp a pad with a red stamp and they just stamp it classified? Probably. I mean, it's just like in the movies. Right. I would imagine so. Um So so we found so Trump uh, I'm sorry, Biden has about twelve classified documents that were at least marked classified that they found in his house, right? Mike Pence does. Mike Pence has 12. You said Trump, Trump. then Biden. You're not wrong. I mean, everybody (laughs) seems like they've got classified documents at this point. Um, But 12 documents were found in the Pence home. And it sounds like, and we knew this, a lot of it's a nothing burger. A lot of it was from like the State Department briefing uh, then Vice President Pence about what he should know before he heads on a trip overseas or something. So there's a little report about wherever he would travel overseas, you know, all the information's there. One source says to CNN that some of the classified documents were used to prepare Mike Pence for meetings with foreign dignitaries while he was the vice president, and he may have overlooked this during the packing process mm. and just threw them into an old binder. Did you would think that he would know that the vice president is not allowed to take classified documents home with him? Well, according to that same source, the classified briefing materials would not have been visible ah. unless packers were going through the binders page by page. So to your point at the beginning of the segment here, maybe there wasn't some big front page and a big stamp that said classified, <laughs> but... A bigger question here, why are people going through his stuff page by page? Didn't Pence request somebody to do this? What a horrible job. Yeah, sounds pretty boring to me. But I, we again, we go back to the audio. We'd have to play it again of, of Pence being interviewed by that, uh, who was it, David Muir from ABC. Right. Did you bring any classified documents uh, with you? Uh, um, <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't a, like a very convincing no, I didn't. Right. And that interview was like late last year, I believe, when Trump was going through the controversy. And now it's coming back to bite him. Um, I mean, it's 
I guess it's biting him. It's biting Biden, but it's 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 not. It, it, the thing is, it's a lifeline to Biden. Look, everybody's done it now. Trump's done it. Biden's done it. I've done it. And it, it, it's not going to be the bat breaker for his campaign, for Biden's 2024 campaign that everybody thought it was going to be. Because, look, everybody does it. Now, he wasn't very quick to say that when Trump was being um accused of all this stuff when trump was going through all this right he wasn't biden wasn't very quick to be like ah well we all do it that's not a, he's called it irresponsible and then it turned around and he's got classified documents next to his vet in the garage, in the garage. and we've seen video after video of where his crackhead son has got the garage open he's taking the car <laughs> out he's going around the neighborhood uh looking for chicks looking for drugs i don't know what he's looking for but we've seen video of him taking off and leaving the garage door open and what do you think hunter biden has in his residence wherever he's staying now damn well better be sure there's no classified documents in his place I mean, he he left his damn laptop with a lot of information on it at a, co a computer store and never went and got it. The Bidens are really bad at this. Yeah, I know. They're bad at hiding <laughs> secret stuff. It's almost, now hear me out, it's almost like they're idiots. <laughs> almost. Almost. Come on, let's not go too far. Uh, just over two years after having his account suspended, Donald Trump will be allowed to go back onto Facebook Meta, which is the parent company, announced that in the coming weeks, they will roll out Donald Trump's account once again. Yeah. Uh, the president of global affairs, Nick Clegg, says, quote, the risk to public safety is now subsided and we can give Trump his account back. <laughs> like him having a the Facebook risk. account meant like all of a sudden the whole world was going to be just hellfire and brimstone. A Facebook account. Get over yourselves. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when the request was put into Meta to get his account back. He's got to have it for the campaign. Trump has to have it for his 2024 campaign. I can't wait to see what he posts first. I can't wait to see what his first Twitter posts. I hope it's Meta sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just see how this goes. Meta sucks. <laughs> Trump out. Zuckerberg's a weasel. <laughs> uh, speaking of Trump, he went on his social media platform, Truth Social, and shared his thoughts on Ukraine. Quote, first come the tanks. Then come the nukes. Get this oh. crazy war ended now. So easy to do. Um, the leap from nuke from tanks to nukes is a pretty big one, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I, I, I don't think anything is, is off the table at this point with Russia being backed into a corner, not doing so well in parts of Ukraine. If they feel like their backs are against the wall, and they're going to get be defeated. Putin, Putin's liable to launch a few nukes over there. And then what happens then? Do we launch nukes back? Does it become a global thing? Is it World War Three? So while I think, you know, I, I just think the red line keeps getting pushed back and back, especially when it comes to the United States and our policies. First, we were like, nah, we're not going to give you any Stinger missiles. Then they gave him Stinger missiles. Well, no, 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 no. When There's no way you're getting these tanks. Eh, okay, you can have 31 of them. What's next? Human inter soldiers, boots on the ground? And why is Donald Trump the only 
vocal leader, and I know he's not a president anymore, but he's a former president. Why is he the only one saying end this war? You got people like Graham Nasty over oh, there yeah. saying, keep it going, keep it going. Give that United States tax money right here to Zelensky. Keep it rolling. Republicans and Democrats. Why is Trump one of the only people saying end this thing? Stop spending our money. Stop having lives ruined in this thing. It would be easy to do. That shouldn't be a controversial take. One more thing on Trump here before we hit a break. Did you see the story that Marjorie Taylor Greene is lining up to try to be Donald Trump's running mate for this upcoming mm. election season? MTG. She's a lightning rod for sure. She's controversial, had a lot of things to say, definitely pro-MAGA, pro-Trump. Um, I don't know that that would be a good match. <laughs> I, I think probably maybe somebody... Definitely not Mike Pence, but Mike Pence-ish that would bring a little more, um, I don't know, uh, calmness, reliability to the campaign. Like, uh, I don't know, Christy Nome or somebody like Tim that. Scott. Tim Scott. Yeah, exactly. Maybe his plan is to have her help him win Georgia, but does she move the needle that much in Georgia? See, I don't think she does. The popular politician in that state is, Brian, I got a big trunk Kemp, yeah. and there's no way in hell Donald yeah. Trump's going to work with that guy. Uh, speaking of MTG, she went on with Tucker, I think this was last night, might have been two nights ago, and she's drafting legislation right now to declare Antifa a domestic terrorist group. Okay. Now, keep in mind, this past weekend, Antifa just went on a rioting storm in Atlanta, in Georgia, the home state of Marjorie Taylor Greene. America is sick and tired of Antifa. Look at what they've done over years now. Just from 2020, they're responsible for nearly $2 billion in damage and many people dead. But the war is against the police, and the reason why is because Antifa is the ground troops of the Democrat Party. Not only are they the ground troops, they breed them, they raise them, and then they bail them out of jail, but they never get prosecuted. And that's because, well, we know the truth. It's the Democrats in control and it's the establishment and it's the unelected bureaucrats that make no apologies for their support of Antifa. Well, it's time to do something about Antifa, and that's why I'm going to introduce legislation to declare Antifa domestic terrorists. We need to investigate exactly who they are, who funds them, and then we need to make sure that whenever they come out and erupt in violence, attacking police officers and attacking businesses in cities like my, my my city, uh, in Atlanta, in Georgia, we need to make sure that they're arrested and charged with domestic terrorism charges, just like the GBI did this past weekend. Enough of Antifa. They are not the anti-fascists. They are the fascists. You know, if you can designate parents that show up at school board meetings as domestic terrorists, then maybe you could do it with Antifa as well. Just a thought. And again, I love that idea. I'm here for it, but there's no way that's going to move up the ladder outside of the House of Representatives. The Senate will look at that and go, we love Antifa around here. Yeah. Joe Biden doesn't know what Antifa is, but he'll be told to not pay attention to that. So there you go. All right, Matt Baer, what's up?
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey, can you shut the f*** up for five seconds? The Hammer and Nigel Show. 93 WIBC. Oh, yeah, breaking news. Uh, Frank the Tank, Frank Reich, Colts' uh, former head coach that was fired in the middle of the season has got a new gig. The Carolina Panthers have announced the hiring of their first-ever quarterback, Frank Reich. He took the first-ever snaps when they became a team back in 1995, and now really? he will be taking over the Carolina Panthers. Okay. So, good guy. Again, I have nothing bad to say about Frank Reich personally, but just because Jeff Saturday has been kind of a disaster here does not mean that it was the wrong decision to fire Frank Reich. Frank had to go. A lot of bad decisions. That horse bleep effort, if you want to call it that, against the Patriots. Oh, yeah. Now, Frank had to go. His time was up here. But, as Trump would say when he's talking about someone usually he doesn't like... We wish him the best. <laughs> and as uh, our pal Charlie Clifford from Wish TV put it, uh, whomever Carolina's young quarterback will be is now in great hands because he's a quarterback's coach. Right. And sure. they're going to I mean, be in the market for a young quarterback, yes. and uh, so are the Colts. So the Carolina Panthers have their coach. The Colts do not have theirs yet. They've still got more interviews to do. So last night... Twitter started going crazy about this incident that took place in a college basketball game of Loyola Chicago against Duquesne. And there was a moment where the game had to be stopped because some dude in a DoorDash outfit walked across the court trying to make a delivery. And we got an official's timeout and somebody came on the floor on the far side <laughs> looking for an Uber Eats delivery or something there is carrying some McDonald's. Oh, this has to be one of the all-time I, I'm actually not kidding. No, I, no, I this think, is the I truth. I think that's what's happening. This guy's in the corner. looked like he... Maybe, was he going to deliver the, the McDonald's to somebody on the court? <laughs> Can we rule that out? He's... A, <laughs> I mean... I saw that this morning on SportsCenter. It's hilarious. They did... Yeah, they had to stop... Did they stop the game, actually? I think they kept playing. The, uh, he walked uh, out during the yeah, action. yeah. And the referee kind of moved him back. <laughs> and then the other referee said, hold on, hold on, stop everything. So people so didn't know it, what was going on. So what he, is it legit or is it like a stunt? It's a stunt. I mean, the assistant athletic director of Loyola tweeted out that it was a stunt. Okay. The guy was wearing a microphone and somebody was rolling video on it. It's some sort of TikTok, YouTube oh, prank guy. Okay. So that's Fine. what it was. That's what it was. He was acting the whole time. He's a good actor. It's yeah. Definitely, he looked confused. He's like, I'm looking, for, you know, he's looking to deliver some McDonald's to somebody at the game. Am I the only one that wishes, though, somebody would have tackled him, tased him, and beat the hell out of him? <laughs> well, like, what if one of your kids, well, Nige, was on that court? He's a college yeah. basketball player, and he's playing in the game, and some lunatic walks across the court with a bag of McDonald's. Hey, you don't know what's in that bag. Right. That's what I'm he's, saying. He's lucky. Yeah, you're right. You, you might be lucky. He, he's lucky that he, he didn't get, uh, you know, speared 
<laughs> you can all, probably only get away with that at one of these smaller schools. Like, I think the security is a little tighter. Like, if you go down to the Big Ten right. or the ACC, one of those places, I don't do. think it's that easy just to walk across the floor, <laughs> floor with a bag of McDonald's during the game. Uh, speaking of college basketball last uh, night, yes. uh, no Mike Woodson. He's got the row. Oh, no. IU coach Mike Woodson out with Rona. Grateful but, to be vaxxed and boosted, I'm sure. <laughs> it would have been way worse if he didn't have his 17 different boosters. Um, but Indiana got the win. They beat Minnesota last night. Trace Jackson Davis is carrying this team. Like, I don't know how many wins this team would have without him. 25 points. 21 boards, had a few blocks too, had the big go-ahead basket at the end. Now, this was my favorite part of the night. I watched this game uh, on the Big Ten Network. I was at home. And after the game was over, the fill-in coach, an IU assistant, his name is Yasir Rosemond, he's talking to the Big Ten Network's reporter, Robbie Hummel, former Purdue star. And Robbie asked the coach about the play of Trace Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis has played at such a high level, 25 points, 21 rebounds tonight. How impressed have you been? It's got to be every day he, he impresses you with something different. I tell people all the time, if you can find 25 to 30 people better than him in his NBA draft, hey, I'll kiss your ass. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wordsmith. <laughs> I'll kiss your ASS. Is that what he said? Could you play the end of that, please, James? Just uh, one more time. What is that? People better than him in his NBA draft. Hey, I'll kiss your ass. He's sticking up for his player because there's a lot of scouts that say Trace Jackson Davis is a really good college player, but his game won't translate to the next level. And his response was, you find me 25, 30 better than Trace Jackson Davis, oh, I'll kiss your ass. Love it. I can't wait for that Purdue game, by the way. Purdue and uh, IU February 4th. Purdue's got a good one tonight. Purdue, number one in the country at Michigan tonight. Uh, So good luck to the Boilers. Do not go anywhere. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. I can't stand it anymore. It's getting worse. 93 WIBC. Hit me! Love all the liberal tears that are just flowing after House Speaker Kevin McCarthy yanked Fartwell and Pencil Neck off the Intel Committee. (laughs) There's been some response, right? Well, yeah, we've heard from one half of the duo. Again, the names in question are Eric Swalwell. The president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. (laughs) And Adam Schiff. Little Pencil Neck Adam Schiff. So Schiff went to TikTok after being removed from the Intelligence Committee to do his bitching and moaning. Hello, I'm Congressman Adam Schiff with some troubling news. Today, Kevin McCarthy removed me from the House Intelligence Committee, all for doing my job, for holding Trump accountable and standing up to the extreme MAGA Republicans. We knew it would be bad when the Republicans took over, but it's far worse than we expected. But I can promise you this. This is not the end of my fight for our democracy. This is just the beginning. Please join us and contribute today. Thank you. Drama queen. It's been a couple of weeks. It's only been a couple of weeks. It's been far worse than anticipated. And does anybody else think it's kind of a weird flex for a guy that says he deserves to be on the Intel committee? 
And then he goes on the Chinese spyware bot that is TikTok <laughs> to make his case. <laughs> Maybe that's why you and Fartwell aren't on the Intel committee right now. You used your position on that committee to constantly lie to the American public uh, f about Russian collusion and evidence and you know, lied about the Hunter Biden laptop. Lie after lie after lie. You used that position to go after Trump politically. There was no evidence whatsoever of Trump and Russian collusion, even though you told the American people day after day that you had the evidence locked away, probably next to some other classified documents in your footlocker. The Twitter files show he was told, hey, there's nothing here. And he kept going and kept going and tried to censor others on yeah. social media. So, yeah, keep crying on TikTok. And by the way, did you catch the end of that? He was asking for a donation. He is now fundraising despite just winning his House election because he has announced he's going to be running for Senate in California. Oh. He's going to try to steal Feinstein's seat. Yeah. So kind of pulling a Jim Banks right there. You know, you're known in the House. You got a little clout, but the ceiling is there. So next step, Senate. You imagine Feinstein Stein running again? She's 89. Good Lord. Nobody's seen or heard from her. She's just, she's just I mean, I, these people, I mean, there's an age limit. You can't be older than 65 to 67 years old to fly a plane. But hell, you could be 98 and run the country. Right. That's a problem. Term limits need to happen. Yes. But there's no way these people are going to agree to that. Because then they'd have to actually get jobs afterwards. No way. <laughs> they'd have to get real jobs. Uh, let's play a round of Is It Racist, oh, shall it's we? It's time to play Is It Racist? Now, for those of you who are new to the Hammer and Nigel show, first of all, thank you for tuning in. Here's how we play Is It Racist, AOC. Here are the rules. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? So apparently college professors are teaching students that the term American citizen is a radicalized term and it's associated <laughs> with whiteness because America was built on white supremacy. And we know this because there's a viral video going around of this college student, some chick, talking about the lecture that she just heard in her class. I just got out of a lecture and my professor said something that really struck me that I feel like should have been super obvious that I just had not like connected the dots on before. And that is the fact that the term American citizen is like a racialized term. It's associated with whiteness, whether we want it to or not, because of the way that white supremacy is so like intricately bound with the foundation of the country that we call America, that when you hear the word American citizen, the first thing that comes to mind is a white person. And what's crazy is I have this super vivid memory when I was only like maybe like five or six years old. My mom was just about to get her citizenship and she was like, yo, yo, I'm going to be an American citizen. And I was like freaking out because I fully thought that my mother was going to turn into a white woman. <laughs> You're a moron. You are a this moron. This is what kids are being taught. Yes. Uh, There's cool. a lot to unpack there. I know. But the million yeah. dollar question, if I say, hey, you look like an American citizen. Is it racist? No, that is not racist. <laughs> and I mean, the claim that that this was founded on white, this country is founded on white supremacy also is false. And I think it's kind of racist on her behalf to say, just because you're an American yeah. citizen, you have to be white. Yeah. Here's, 
I think maybe think she's the like racist. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I mean, okay, I don't know what context this was in. I don't know if this was like a real thing. I'm sure some college professor somewhere said those words. But how many people really, really believe that? I mean, like how many rational, normal, independent human beings would look at that and say, oh, you know, yeah, she has a point. American citizen is a radicalized term and it's associated with with white supremacy. No, I, I just don't think there's that many. Uh, because the, 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 it's such an echo chamber on social media, it makes it seem like it's more prevalent than it really is. I'm not saying these things aren't taught in school. They certainly are. But how many people would seriously look at something like that and say, oh, she has a point? Nigel, we live in a country where Don Lemon has a morning show. <laughs> so you can't rule out stupid people spreading their views to the masses. And this brings us to our next Is It Racist story. So Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, he has banned books in the classroom that were titled African American Studies. However... Once you get deep into the weeds here, that African-American studies book had sexual aspects involved in the classroom. And that's why Ron DeSantis was like, no, you can't hide sex stuff in a book and call it African-American studies. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think, but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them when you try to use black history to shoehorn in yeah. queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. Uh, yeah, they're, they're hiding behind the African-American studies moniker of this program to really push a political agenda behind it. And that's what he's saying. But because it's called, because they call it African-American studies, they're now being painted as racist. Correct. When it really has nothing to do with that. Imagine if you're somebody that's really interested in African-American studies. You're curious about, you know, how black people have, you know, been perceived in this country and the accomplishments and all things like that. You sign up for this class. Next thing you know, they're teaching you queer theory. <laughs> well, this brings us to Don Lemon. <laughs> CNN's Don Lemon, uh -huh. he is so upset that queer theory can't be caught, taught to children that he says Florida is like the 1950s. What are we doing here? I mean, this, I feel like we're going back. I feel like I'm watching a bad version of like Pleasantville where you're, I, I don't get what's happening. It feels like the 1950s all over again with like book banning. This is, this yeah. is cancel culture from people who are, I guess they just want our kids to be ignorant and to control the teachers. It is, uh, this is outrageous. I, I, I don't, I really don't even know how to explain what's going on here. It's just ridiculous. God, no wonder his ratings are abysmal. 
You mean people are tuning in in droves to uh, <laughs> hear Don Lemon's thoughts that your children should have to hear queer theory in the classroom? Yeah, it's it's the exact same thing. Is it's the idea that don't say gay bill, which was completely false, uh, and that never was about not saying gay in schools. But it was about parents' rights and indoctrinating kids uh, sexually, grooming them. Um, and being taught, you know, gender affirming stuff at a certain age, it had nothing to do with don't say gay. Again, uh, African American studies is just they're hiding behind that political agenda. Right. There's, right. there's a definite political agenda uh, involved with that, and he doesn't want that in the schools. Quite frankly, I don't want my kids to be taught something with a, a political narrative in a school. I want them to be I want them to be taught African American studies, but just nothing with a political agenda. And I certainly don't want the kids to have to deal with queer theory. And it's not because it's a gay thing. I'd say the same thing if it were straight. Kids in a classroom, and I'm talking about the younger kids, they shouldn't have Madonna's sex book. They don't need Tommy Lee's uh, documentaries. (laughs) They don't need uh, this queer theory. Teach them history. Teach them math. That's what you guys are there for. Now, when these kids get to high school, and they want to take a class, sex ed. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. But if sex ed exists, maybe you can touch on some of these things. But don't try to hide pushing your narrative about queer theory and defunding the police and abolishing prisons and trying to hide it in everyday learning. That's ridiculous. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Right now, 28 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center at 93 WIBC. The Hammer and Nigel Show. All right, boys, let's go do this. Loud and proud. 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. If you need a reason to pour a cocktail tonight, pour one for Eddie Van Halen, the late... uh, a uh, guitar player would have been 68 years old today. Again, Roughly. I know Rob had talked about this a little bit on his show. I think it was last week. If you're doing the Mount Rushmore thing of guitarists, he's on the list. He's on the Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. No question. Um, so did you ever hear the story that Eddie Van Halen reached out to Daryl Hall of Hall of Notes. This was right after David Lee Roth had left the band and before they brought in Sammy Hagar. There was chatter that Daryl Hall from Hall of Notes could be the front man of Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> I knew those guys really well. We actually shared some uh, crew and things like that. And uh, Eddie came to a show with Valerie. This just goes back. And David had just uh, just left the band and Eddie, Eddie said, do you want to join Dan Halen, man? And I was like, he was half joking, <laughs> but I think he was serious. I really do believe he was serious. I took it seriously. I went, nah, I think not. I think I got my own going on. Could you imagine? Daryl Hall from Holland Oats? Yeah. Could you imagine that? And him having to tell Oats, hey, I'm leaving our gig and going to be the lead singer of Van Halen. No, I don't think that would have worked. I mean, they brought in that one turd from extreme gary sharon gary sharon i like gary sharon i like extreme but i don't think he he really worked as the lead singer for van halen right i like babyface but he wouldn't work as the lead singer of van halen (laughs) you don't know that (laughs) i'd kind of like to hear that to be honest with you um so yeah eddie van halen would have been 68 today so we like mashups on this show so (laughs) nige i found three van halen mashups of their hit jump 
and I want you to tell me which one of these is your favorite, okay? Uh, the first one, <laughs> somebody mashed Jump with Elvis Presley's Burning Love. <laughs> that do anything for that you? That was awful. <laughs> All right, this one, this one might be more in your wheelhouse. Somebody mashed up Van Halen's "Jump" with "Thunderstruck" from ACDC. Kicking in here. Oh, I can hear it. I can hear the thunder. All right, here we go. <laughs> this is much better than Elvis. <laughs> I kind of like that one, actually. All right. That was so much better than Elvis. Now, this it's- one's my favorite. And I don't care what you say, and I don't care what our producer James has to say. This is by far my favorite. Someone (laughs) mashed up Van Halen's Jump with the classic country song by Hank Williams, Your Cheating Heart. This is my favorite one. I love this song. You got to roll with the punch. Yeah. string guitar all right which of those do you like the most uh, oh god that's a that's a close one for me I, I, i'm with you the cheating heart mashup <laughs> is the best i still uh am an ardent van hagar fan i'd i'd like it when, when i'd loved it when sammy was with the band more than i did with David Lee Roth, I mean, look, Van Halen sold. Did they, they? They sold more records, and had their only number one hit with with Roth, but they had nine top forty hits with Sammy Hagar, uh, compared to just seven with David Lee Roth. So I'm not saying I, I didn't like Sammy. Sammy had some bangers with Van Halen. He really did. But for me, it's the Colts comparison. Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Andrew Luck was good, and he certainly had his moments, but he wasn't Peyton. And for me, David Lee Roth yeah. is the Peyton yeah, of Van I just, Halen. I loved 5150. Why can't this be love? Dreams, best of both worlds. Love walks in. All great songs. Um, you know, OU812 was a, a great album. I think, uh, you know, When It's Love was one of their biggest hits ever. Finish What You Started. But I'm going Panama um, and yeah, Jump yeah, and yeah, like know, Pretty Woman, Eruption, a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm going to the David Lee right Roth now. Top of the world with Hagar, Pound Cake, Run um, Around. I love the song Run Around. That's an un- underrated one. So if you need another reason to have a beverage tonight. 
Can I get some mood music, please? Oh. Speaking of uh, country songs, like we were earlier, 44 years ago today, on this very date in 1979, the Dukes of Hazard premiered on CBS. He loved it. John Schneider, Tom Wopat, and Catherine Bach as Daisy Duke. I, I lived for the Dukes when I was a kid growing up. I'd get so mad if it was on a school night, my parents made me go to bed because I have to stop watching it. I, and what I want to do now is, like my 11-year-old Connor, he and I are going through our second round of watching Little House on the Prairie. The Solid. series. All the right. Series. We did it like in 2020. We watched the entire season for a couple of months. We're, we're on our second round again. After the, like he's He loves all that old-time stuff. I, my second show that I want to introduce him to after Little House is Dukes of Hazard. Great action, great comedy, great, and- great, great stunt driving. <laughs> right. I noticed the stunt driving now because of our friend Brian Baker who right. does that for a living. Uh, it used to be when I was growing up, it was on Friday nights and it was a little was something it? for everybody. Dukes of Hazard, like for the kids. And then Dallas would come on right afterwards. <laughs> so I was staying at my grandma's house. So I would watch the Dukes of Hazard. And then, you know, I was in the room when Dallas was on and I'll be damned if I didn't become a fan of Dallas too. You know, I, I also loved, uh, there's a couple of others that had the anniversary this week that premiered um airwolf i remember airwolf i think i retweeted that on our facebook page the 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 helicopter the military yes. you know, the, the, it was like the it was like the night rider for helicopters right that's almost. when like awesome kick-ass vehicles were like the number one shows yeah. night rider and things like that you remember, dukes of hazard you remember manimal <laughs> <laughs> i was fascinated with manimal and Brilliant. I was also fascinated and terrified by V. V, I remember uh, V. The, the aliens come down, but they're really lizards. You've Did you ever watch Small Wonder? About that little girl robot? It was really oh, creepy. Oh, yeah. Like, if you go back and look yeah, at the premise yeah, of that yeah, show yeah, right yeah. now, yeah. this dude <laughs> He's saying this. who's like got like NASA clearance and, you know, top <laughs> secret stuff, builds a female robot like a little girl. Yeah, that's creepy. And only he can, like, be around her in the garage. Did he sniff its hair? <laughs> I think we've seen that movie before. Uh, top stories coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! That's Jason Hammer over there. My name is Nigel. Hello. Uh, still no update from the Indiana Supreme Court on that lawsuit for the ACLU challenging Indiana's near total abortion ban. You know, Indiana was the first state to enact legislation to ban abortion after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and the whole Dobbs decision. And I mean, a lot of other states had trigger laws hammer, but already in place. But Indy was the first to actually call a special session 
even though I believe it originally wasn't the intent of the special session when right. it was being called. It was kind it of, up, ah, hell, we're here. Yeah, we might as well do this. Uh, it's worth noting that that um, all five state Supreme Court justices who are looking at this right this lawsuit right now were all appointed by Republican governors. I, I think there's a couple of different aspects to this lawsuit. ACLU is arguing one thing, and the state's arguing something else different. It'll right. be interested, interesting to see. We have no idea when a decision will come down. It's really not even life or death in this case. It's about what certain terms mean. Yeah. And when we had Abdul on here last Friday, he said the same thing. I said the same thing. And according to Abdul, he was right and I was wrong. So he's going to be a great mayor <laughs> for the city of Indianapolis. So full of crap. Um Speaking of full of crap, last night in her State of the Union address, Michigan's governor, old greasy Gretchen Whitmer. Oh, Whitmer. The Gretch that stole Christmas. She took a little shot at us here in Indiana. She was talking about abortion and how Michigan loves it. And she kind of took a shot at Indiana and Ohio. And we love up- it here in Michigan. <laughs> Clinics on every corner. She brought up restrictions. So together, we're going to change Michigan from a state with century-old bans to forward-looking protections. Our message is simple. We will fight for your freedom. And you know what? Let's go on offense. I'll go to any state that restricts people's freedoms and win business and hardworking people from them. I'm looking at you, Ohio and Indiana. Uh, worry about your own state and, and screw you talking about like how you guys are a fr- uh, all about freedom. Right. Yeah, that didn't uh, that wasn't exactly the message she was sending during COVID. It was the complete opposite. She wanted Just- you to beg to take your boat out on a lake. She wanted you to have to get on a list to get approval to go outdoors on a lake. And then her husband tried to cut the line. My husband made a failed attempt at humor last week. Knowing it wouldn't make a difference, he jokingly asked if marrying, if being married to me might move him up in the queue. No, he wasn't. He was being serious. Bingo. And and remember, in Michigan, if you had two residents, uh, like, say, one in a rural neighborhood and then also, like, a cabin in, in, on a lake, you weren't allowed to travel from your residence to that cabin in the lake during COVID. It's, screw you. You are a hypocrite. You loved it. You loved the crushing restrictions that you put on uh, the people in Michigan. I can't believe she got reelected. And then to sit up there and talk about all the freedoms that they have in Michigan, which are so much better than anything in Ohio or Indiana. People had to drive to other states to dine in at a restaurant. And then when she finally did allow people to dine indoors at a restaurant, there was a limit to the table, which she also ignored. You know what? I made a mistake. I uh-huh. owned up to it. I recognize it now. It was unintentional. Um, you know, I was with a group of 100% vaccinated people and tables were moved together and I really didn't think about it. And I should have. So I apologize for that and hope that when leaders, whether they are office holders or leaders um, in, at the local level, uh, or my children for that matter, when you make a mistake, fess up to it and do better. And that's, that's exactly what I can do. How, you hypocrite. Yeah, I mean, how long is the list of Democrat leaders uh, that violated their own COVID restrictions 
over the past during the pandemic. I mean, how long literally is that list? I mean, probably a box full of classified as many classified documents are in Biden's house. That's that's how long the list is. I mean, like how how many mayors had to go and apologize? The mayor of was it the mayor of Austin that that put out a promo saying, "Hey, stay home for Thanksgiving. Don't go anywhere. COVID's going to kill you. It's the winter of death." He made that Facebook announcement from his condo in Cabo <laughs> after je- getting on a jet plane with 10 other people flew out the of the list, country <laughs> the list is i, I mean it, it's it, the list is so long of those t- that kind of behavior it infuriates me but here's the thing though i guarantee to you some woke head of a convention like Gen Con or something, some woke head of a convention is going to hear that speech by Gretchen and go, oh, they're going to be doing abortions all the time. We need to go to Michigan. What are we doing? Women's rights. Let's go to Michigan. They're killing babies left and right. We've got to get there. That Was that, yeah, like, was that her way of, of getting businesses to come to Michigan? Right. <laughs> and maybe it'll work. I don't know. Well, look, I, I certainly think, I was thinking about this, the abortion issue w- was more of an issue than maybe Republicans thought it was going to be in the midterms. I really believe that. It was a double-edged sword, Roe v. Wade and Dobbs, because I think a lot of independents kind of went the Democrat way when they saw some states outright restricting everything. Um I'm not, you know, I'm not, I mean, don't you, do you agree with that? I mean, I, I think it was a bigger deal than we thought it was. Right. It didn't poll. It like didn't it poll. was a big deal. Right. Right, but right, right. come election day, the exit polling and the results showed that it was indeed a big deal. Which, by the way, how's the uh, search for the leaker going in terms of that whole Roe versus Wade thing? Any updates oh, on the search for the, the leaker? The, the, the leak, the, the leak Dobbs decision? Yeah. Uh, no, nothing. Not a. We're finding classified documents in the unisex bathroom across the hall, <laughs> but we can't find out who leaked the most controversial piece the Supreme Court's put out in a long time. We can't do that. Uh, it, it's unreal. And they did it just to intimidate and try to sway the Supreme Court justices into making a decision or possibly changing their vote or, or their decision on, on the Dobbs, on Dobbs and Roe v. Wade. Did it work? Maybe, maybe it did, because it certainly wasn't the red wave that a lot of people thought was coming in the midterms, and that could be the issue that people can point to and say, you know what, I was going to vote for you, I don't consider myself a Republican or a Democrat, but this issue ended up being important to me, and they went the other direction. Perhaps, I don't know, but I'm telling you, you can't discount stupid people heading up these conventions saying, yes, Indianapolis has been really good, and every year we go there, it's packed, and the hotels are right there, and you can walk to anywhere in the city, and you don't need to get an Uber. But Michigan just said they're going to be killing babies left and right. What what are we doing? we got to get to Michigan. Quick, hurry. It's ridiculous the way these people think. Uh, So yesterday... Joe Biden gets propped up there. They put enough peanut butter on his teeth to make it look like he's talking. And he's talking about what's happening in Ukraine. They do that with horses. They did that with Mr. Mr. Ed. Ed. Yes. With Mr. Ed, they put peanut butter on his teeth. Put peanut butter on Biden's teeth? To make it look like he was talking. They did that to Biden yesterday. 
And uh, he talks about 31 tanks yeah. being sent to Ukraine, and Germany's going to deliver 14 tanks and all types of different things. Well, Russia has responded. They fired off a bunch of missiles. Uh, at least 11 people have been killed, 11 injured. We thought this had the possibility of looking like an escalation. The United States and Germany hooking up Ukraine with a bunch of weaponry and state-run media in Russia, while they were first laughing at the tanks that got brought over, calling them toothless, they responded by firing off yeah. a series of missiles and killing 11 we, people. Well, I mean, this is... So why the change then? Why, at first, Biden and the administration said, no, these tanks, look, they're hard to maneuver in the mud. The logistics of... Logist, the, the software is complicated. Um, there's no facilities to repair these tanks in Ukraine. And uh, also the possibility to piss off Putin even further to the point of a nuclear exchange all of those is a possibility to happen. So we were not going to send tanks at all. No tanks. But then what happened? We did a complete 180. Why? It's because everybody over in Europe caved and is ready to, to give them everything. Germany wasn't going to give them tanks. They caved. The British uh, gave them a bunch of stuff. And Joe Biden doesn't want to look like he's not doing enough to help the effort over there. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Emma and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this... Anything on 93 Hammer, how do we play Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by you. You break down all the information and you give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? So there's a guy called the There I Ruined It guy. <laughs> yeah. It's popular on like YouTube and online platforms. His job is to basically ruin things for you. He's the <laughs> There I Ruined It guy. So his okay. latest release, and this is something in your wheelhouse here, Nige, is <laughs> what he thinks Pearl Jam sounds like to people who don't like Pearl Jam. The there I ruined it guy is definitely something. That was for uh, people who uh, don't like Pearl Jam. He ruined that song. That's what every Pearl Jam yeah. song sounds like to people who don't like the band. I've got. I'm gonna one up you here. I got one for you. Here's one by the same guy where he ruined the you can't handle the truth courtroom scene with Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise and a few good men, but it's he put it to the Toy Story song. Here, I'll just go ahead and play it. <laughs> 
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. You can't handle the truth. Are we clear, Colonel? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> There's more. Did you water the cobra? Damn right I did. Damn right I did. I have a greater responsibility than you could possibly fathom. You can't handle the truth. Are you clear? You can't handle the truth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done from the There oh, I Ruined It guy. Man, I'm crying. Oh, that just completely ruined that courtroom scene for me. That's one of my favorite movies in the world. And now you have Jack Nicholson singing along with the Toy Story theme. I like both of those songs. I'm not going to lie. I like the Pearl Jam and oh, I like wow. A Few Good Men. Is this anything on the subject of music? Ozzy Osbourne and Joan Jett will appear in Workday's Super Bowl commercial. It's Workday. They released a preview of it. Office workers find out who the new guy is in the office, and it's Ozzy. Who's the new guy? I don't know, but he's supposed to be some kind of rock star. Which one are you once a piercing? I think Workday is like some sort of software company or something, like the cloud or something, but I, I don't understand this trend. It's been going on for a long time now. Super Bowl uh, commercials being released before the Super Bowl. Right. I hate that. Total spoiler, I, like, really. Yeah, I was really, I guess we could have prefaced this by saying, hey, spoiler alert, this is the commercial that's going to air in the Super Bowl. I don't get why Why do companies do that. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's there's got to be a reason. Everybody's doing it. It's, it's a trend that's been going on for years with the, you know, with the with YouTube and, and social media. But that just, yeah, that frustrates me. I like I a lot of the reason, especially if I don't care about the teams too much. Um, I love the commercials. I love watching. I, I wait for the movie uh, previews as well, and they even release those now prematurely. So, uh, whatever, Ozzy Osbourne, Joan Jett. How many people know who they are? <laughs> you right. know, right? I'm saying, I'm saying, like the the demographic that they want watching the Super Bowl. With, with you have Rihanna singing the uh, halftime show, you have Chris Stapleton singing "America the Beautiful," you have Babyface doing the uh, Star Spangled Banner. No, Chris Stapleton's doing the, the national anthem, anthem and Babyface doing "America the Beautiful." And so, but Ozzy Osbourne and Joan Jett, how much does that resonate with uh, with the audience, with the people that they are that are watching the Super Bowl? I don't know. I definitely don't like that trend of releasing uh, Super Bowl commercials before the actual Super Bowl airs. Is this anything? An adult woman out of New Jersey was caught posing as a high school student after four days of attending classes. Here is Dr. Aubrey Johnson, the superintendent of New Brunswick Public Schools, wow. breaking down what happened. Also, a student talking about how the woman contacted her after she was found out. Last week, my father some false documents. An adult female, posing as a student, was able to be enrolled in our high school. She attended school for four days. She was in a few classes and then most time in our guidance week as we were trying to 
get more information from her. Last night, she contacted me at 10.56 p.m. asking how I was. As soon as I saw the message, I blocked the number and couldn't fall asleep for the next two hours. She should have gone, uh, you know, all just one of the guys and pretended to be a dude. Great movie. Yeah. Terry Griffith, an aspiring teenage journalist, gets on the football team. Uh, that's kind of what that reminded me of. But it is creepy. And it's like very, didn't they, the same thing for... Um, 21 Jump Street originally with Johnny Depp. Right, right. And they were all a bunch of older cops that posed as high school kids. And, Correct. And and went into high schools to infiltrate drug dealers and stuff like that. Let's go back to just one of the guys yes, for a second. Okay. Because I can make a case, and I think JMV and I have actually talked about this before, that is one of the great surprise nudity scenes Ooh, yeah. of all time. Like, there are some movies you watch where you know nudity is coming. Like, this movie, it wasn't rated R. I think it was like a PG-13. There's a quick flash there at the end, right? The reveal. Yes. Yeah, so like, oh, there they are. <laughs> well, I'll be a son of a blank. They there they are. They were real, and they were spectacular. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. It is the Hammer and Nigel show something we were talking about earlier real quick i was kind of uh i, I was really annoyed that uh that, like super bowl commercials release early like that one with uh, ozzy osbourne and joan jett that we played um and i was like why do they do that so gerald hawkins writes us and says super bowl commercials release early because they cost so much to air during the game and sponsors want as many eyes for their money i i would say wait on that okay yeah re release it everywhere after it airs but not before you just ruin it. Right. You ruin the surprise. Because you know? people the next day always write articles, the best commercials, yeah. boom, 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 and they're not going to put yours in there if they've already seen it, right? Right. It kind of loses it loses the element of surprise. So anyway, let's uh, dive into some legal stuff, shall we? Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. Potential jurors in the Delphi murder trial will come from Fort Wayne. So they had oh, wow. narrowed it down a couple days ago to a couple different counties, and it turns out that Allen County, Fort Wayne, is where the jury will come from. The case will still be heard in Carroll County at the courthouse in Delphi. Now, the next big date on the calendar, if you're keeping track of the Delphi murder trial, is February 17th. That's the date where the judge will decide whether bail should be granted and likely schedule a new trial date. Because we said all along, there's no way that trial is going to start on no time. So they will probably have a new trial date. February 17th is the new, uh, the next big date wow. on the calendar. So there's going to be a bunch of people in Fort Wayne packing their bags and uh, making the two-hour trip across, uh, uh, you know, southwest to... Carroll County uh, that would that's whew, I, you know if I was somebody in Fort Wayne I got chosen to be on this jury you know I'd want to do the right thing I would want to serve the public I'd want to you know do my civil duty 
but man, that that is. I want to be careful here because what happened to those girls was awful, and they need justice. But you know, if you're someone living in Fort Wayne, don't you think you've heard of what happened in Delphi? Because that's the whole reason they're doing this. Right. That's the whole reason. I'm like, whether you live in Fort Wayne or Carroll County or Indianapolis, everybody's heard of this. It's got nationwide attention. You and, know. And then you pack your bags and you are in a hotel for two weeks and sequestered. Right. Um, but I'm pretty sure the families of the victims really don't care that much about the inconvenience of being a juror on their daughter's killer's trial. And we have no idea who the jury is going to be. We just know they're going to be from Fort Wayne. Maybe, as hard as it is for us to believe, maybe there are some people that don't know about this, people that don't watch the news. Maybe you're a new voter. Maybe you're an 18-year-old that's you know registered, you just voted for the first time, you get pulled for jury duty. Maybe you don't know about this story. I don't see how, but perhaps. But you're right. I just want the justice system to run its course and i want it to be accurate i want everything done yes. right here yes. that's important i just wonder like extenuating circumstances for anybody that lives two hours away um I, there's going to be a lot of that i would think hey i got a family i got a job i'm a single mother i've got kids there's no way i can pack up for a week or two weeks or however long a trial is going to be have you ever served on a jury i never have uh i've been um i got the summons to call the I don't know if you call it a summons. I got the notification to call the number every day for a week. Did you you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They send a you thing. check in to see if your pool number yes. is selected. And I checked it every day and I was like sweating it every day and I I never had. I know you have and it was a pretty serious. Yeah. Serious I had one back when I was still working at the casino and I was out of media at the time, I was picked for a high profile murder here in Indianapolis. Now, I don't want to say what it is in case the families are listening and like, hey, that's the bastard that sent my relative, you know, for the rest of his life in jail. But it was a high profile murder. And uh, we sent the dude away for the rest of his life. And it was the right decision. But man, I was surprised they didn't sequester us. They let us go home every night. They just told us, hey, don't research did the you, case. Did you have to miss work? I did. Got paid for it. Very little, but they pay you for your time gone. But did work pay you? No, the state of Indiana. No, I does. understand that, but 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 you, you did, did the I mean, casino... I had a yearly salary, so it, okay. it wasn't okay. like I was getting I paid you. by the day. Okay, I got you. I got, I got you. But I didn't have to I, use vacation days That's either. what I was my next question. Um, so was it tough for you in any way, shape, or form knowing that you were uh, participating in something that would send somebody to jail for the rest of their lives no because it was the right thing to do it was clearly murder without question the hardest part was i had a woke teacher in our group that refused no matter what the law was refused to put a young african-american male away for the rest of his life that was his argument and this guy was a teacher of a prominent school in Indianapolis area. I just can't send a young black man to prison for the rest of his life. How long were these deliberations? I mean, just just to give me a, an idea, maybe some perspective of, of what people might be going to go through in Carroll County that get called to jury duty. Like, how long were your deliberations behind closed doors? Like, you were done with the case, you heard it all. How long did it take for you to decide? A couple days? Eight hours. 
You I said mean, it. Yeah, because we got to go home at the end of the night, right? So we'd go to the trial. It was about three days. And day four, we arrive, closing arguments. That's when we get put into the room. They order pizza for you. They bring in some food and stuff. And you guys have to come up with a decision. And it was pretty obvious, though. There was no doubt but about was, this but trial. But there was one holdout. Right. Because did you, did you go back? Did you go back to the judge and be like, yeah, this guy... Like, or did you, were you able to convince him? We were able to convince him. Like we were, and this was what was great. So after, you know, we go in the courtroom and the verdict is announced and it's pretty intense because these scumbags are sitting across from you and they're staring daggers at you as the jury. So, you know, you stare back at them. And so they go away for the rest of their lives. The judge then comes in and, and this was an old school judge. What took you guys so long? <laughs> really? Swear to God. Yeah. And everybody kind of did that slow eye roll look at Wokey McWoke face, the teacher wow. over here. Wow. Were you, okay, did they give you lunch every day during uh, the trial? You know, did you break for lunch and did they provide uh, food for you? So they had a little bit if you wanted it. But most of us just went out to like sub shops around the oh, area. Okay. So it was just over at, you know, the city county courthouse. And so, you know, we'd go out and we'd go to like the pizza place on the circle okay. or something and grab lunch, yeah. be back in an hour, more testimony. You're, and, you're the only person I think I've known in my life that's ever had to sit on something that high profile. Before. And it's intense. It really is. And I can't imagine the photos that this jury is going to see. Because the one that I had, they show you photos of the crime scene and the oh, morgue. you have to look at that stuff? Yeah, because that's all part of the evidence. That's how the crime scene was. You think the you think the jury in Carroll County will have to look at crime scene photos? They might. <sighs> it depends on how they want to do the trial, from the prosecution to the defense. You know, if the defense comes out and says, the way these bodies are positioned, there's no way my client would have done this or that. Same thing with the prosecution. Let me ask you this, and for people listening might want to weigh in on this. Or should we hope for a change, uh, you know, for Richard Allen, the accused killer here, should maybe we should just hope that he decides to cut a deal and plead guilty and go away for the rest of his life? That's probably what I mean, everybody's hoping for. If he's guilty. And that's, that's the thing. The, yeah. Like You are innocent until you're proven guilty. And I want to be very adamant about that. Um, this isn't like the Iowa situation where, man, all the DNA evidence, all the witnesses, all the things lead to that guy, the Idaho, I should say, uh, that killed yeah. those college kids. I mean, it's right there for you. But in this case, I mean, there's still a yeah. lot of questions. Yeah. Was he the only one involved? Was he the one that killed these girls? Does he know who killed these girls if he's not the one? There's a lot of questions. How did that the unspent shell casing wind up next to their bodies that was traced back to his gun? And what experts are the defense going to bring in to uh, try to debunk the science behind uh, the, what they use to trace that? Right. There's a lot of questions I haven't here. heard anything about the death penalty, which is strange to me in this case. I haven't heard anybody mention that once. Anymore, in the state of Indiana, the death penalty is just a bargaining chip because the state of Indiana has no intent on using it. Until people like Benjamin Ritchie have been executed, 
Who's it's that? just a bargaining chip. Is that the pol- he killed the police officer? He killed the police officer in Beach Grove and in the courtroom yelled out at the widow and called her a B word, got the badge number tattooed on his neck. He does all these MSNBC shows. This little son of a blank thinks he's a rock star and a celebrity. What shows? Oh, the kind of show behind the scenes in jails and right, stuff. Right, prison shows. He's out of appeals. There are no more appeals to be had for Benjamin Ritchie and a couple others on Indiana Death Row. Yet there they are, just kind of hanging out. He's been convicted. On the the trial has already dime. happened because the argument often is, well, those trials cost so much money. Trial's done. He's been convicted. He's out of appeals. He's not the only one, and they're just that's, sitting there. That's one of the issues in Carroll County. It's so small that they're talking about having to raise people's taxes to pay for a trial. And then just think if they do go after the death penalty, that's even more money. And I'm wondering if smaller counties have a disadvantage than um, as if if this were to have happened in, say, Marion County in terms of resources. Right. I mean, we already have seen with the judge. The original judge was like, this is too big for me. I can't handle this. So they went over and got another judge to handle this. So, again, it looks like it's going to be a jury from Fort Fort Wayne. Wayne. And the trial will still take place in Carroll County. And the next court date is February 17th. And at that point, they're going to decide... uh, whether bail should be granted and most likely schedule a new trial. How in the world is that guy going to post any bail, even if it was granted? I'm assuming it would be through the roof. I mean, a guy couldn't even afford his own attorney. He had to have a, a court-appointed attorney. Right. That's a good question. I, I don't you know. know. I have no idea. See, there's a lot of questions here that uh, are surrounding this, and a lot of them aren't even about whether or not he was the guy. Did the police do things the right way? Did they have the proper warrants? What about this guy that's been charged with child porn, Kagan Klein? He hasn't been charged with anything Delphi-related, but does he know something? His court appearance today was rescheduled and moved to March 30th. The defense had requested a continuance, and that was granted. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 27 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center. Coming up at 5.33 on the dot, Rob Kendall off the rails. Also coming up here in uh, about 5.20-ish, we've got someone from the WIBC newsroom coming in, Donnie Burgess. He's got a very interesting documentary special, if you Mm -hmm. will, about Bob Ross that's going to air tonight at 7. So we've got top stories and those guys all coming up. But first, Nigel, would you like to hear Whoopi Goldberg let a big fart? (laughs) No! I heard yes. (laughs) Is it true that Trump had Um, nuclear secrets? It's been reported, but we don't know the specifics. But just real quick, I was... (laughs) Did you hear that? I, I watched the clip earlier. Like, somebody spills something, right? Yes. And and they're trying to clean it up. And, and Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg moves a little bit. <laughs> and I think she wiggles something out of there. Can we play it again? It's been reported, but we don't know the specifics. But just real quick, I was... She <laughs> <laughs> started laughing. She started... The chick started laughing. She's trying to ignore it. <laughs> she couldn't laugh. All right, so this time... Stand, stand by one more time here, James. This time... Don't focus on the fart. Okay. Listen for the girl. I think it's uh, 
Uh, their conservative girl now. I don't know what her name is. She's trying not to laugh at the end. It's been reported, but we don't know the specifics. But just real quick, I was... I couldn't not focus on the fart, by the way. But I, 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 did, I, could, I did see here at the end her trying to contain her laughter. Which brings us to great <laughs> moments in TV hosts farting. Yeah! This is when Shaquille O'Neal had Charles Barkley laughing so hard he was snorting, and he also let one go. Supposed to be one, two, three, not one, two, back to one. With your dumb ass. Do it again, Chuck. And here's a uh, weatherman in northern Kentucky, and he's trying to give you the forecast. Well, you'll notice we've already gotten 30s in Evansville where the transition has occurred, and it's 42 in Bedford. I just want to show you how cold this air is. It's eight in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> Thank you for showing a, us the air. It was a squeaker, wasn't it? And last but not least, <laughs> Wendy Williams, who... Oh, classic. She yes. has a uh, a burp and a fart. And she probably got five new boyfriends. We haven't caught anybody coming out of the house yet, but just a matter of time. She's not lonely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. That crowd oh. groaning. Oh. oh! Great moments in TV hosts farting. Mike Pence used to sit in this chair. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there talking a lot about crime numbers in Indy. Homicides were down uh, last year from the year before, but it's not like they dropped in half. It's still a top three of all time. And the perception that Indianapolis is just not a safe place to be. We've talked about this with uh, Reverend Charles Harrison of the Indy 10-point coalition even though numbers are down slightly in terms of homicides do the uh, hot spots that you patrol do people feel safe and the answer was absolutely not now anybody can just take a picture on mass ave uh, of them drinking a beer on a saturday afternoon during the day and say these people are just fear-mongering there's nothing wrong with indy it's a safe place and i get that but the overall feeling, the overall sentiment, especially some of these hot spots where career violent criminals keep getting let out of jail, nobody feels safe. And I think it speaks volumes that here on Monument Circle, where our station is at, a lot of the businesses that historically back Democrat candidates and donate to Democratic candidates didn't necessarily do that this past election cycle. Some of the folks that are always blue said, we can't back Ryan Mears. Now, Ryan Mears won big anyway. 60% of the vote to become the prosecutor again because Marion County is just so blue. But there's a lot of people, even Democrats, who feel this is a different Indianapolis than what it was 10 years ago, and it's not a good thing. Starbucks felt that way 
decided to close up shop. Remember that a few weeks ago? But but people, woke writers and people like that are telling me that they left for other reasons, Nige. No, they said it. They were they were worried and concerned for the safety of their staff. What does that tell you? Same thing, by the way, happening in Seattle in some staples like uh, like Nike uh, is shutting down in in Seattle and some of the other Democrat-run uh, cities. So. Indie violence this month, jeez, makes the second deadliest start to a year in this city's history. For the month of January, let me repeat that, the second deadliest start to a year in the city's history. It doesn't seem to me like it's getting better, even though Joe Hogsett will have you believe would have you believe differently. So we woke up today to two more homicides overnight. And as of right now, the ones that we know of, we have 18 homicides in 26 days. Indianapolis is already outpacing the start of two of the three highest years on record. Now, keep in mind, the year that had the most homicides two years ago, There was a mass shooting event in that year, and it kind of skewed the numbers. So you take out the FedEx massacre of that year, that unfortunate incident there. Uh, This is who we are. I mean, the numbers are pretty consistent over the last three to five years. This is who we are now. And we mentioned this yesterday. Instead of trying to find ways to get with the police and retain the police, things are going the other direction with the IMPD. They're losing officers left and right because the city leaders in the city, they're looking for ways to make the criminals' lives better and the officers' lives more difficult. What wasn't? What did Rick Snyder, the FOP, tell us that it's like the IMPD staffing has fallen below, he said the word critical level of 1,600 officers. Less than not, 1,600. Wow. So so we're off about 275 officers. Officers are either taking early retirement, maybe being lured away to some of the donut counties. Right. Carmel just posted on Facebook, I think it was two days ago, they were proud to announce three new signings to the Carmel Police Department, and they had a bio of all the officers. They were all former IMPD officers. And I'm telling you, this isn't going to be the last time you see that. The surrounding donut counties that can give better support to these officers, maybe better pay, but certainly better community support, they're going to be stealing a lot more officers from Indy. Well, and it's not like the city isn't at least trying. I mean, they've got a recruiting campaign going on right now. They've got, they do have, they are funding the police. Um, but the more, just throwing money at it, what we said time and time again, throwing money at, at violent crime and this problem in the city is not going to work. And if you're an IMPD officer, you have to be so sick and tired of arresting the same people over and over again because they keep getting back out on the streets. And then you look to your city for support. You look to your prosecutor. You look to the mayor. And from what we're hearing now, their solution is, well, maybe you shouldn't be in police chases with those people. Yeah, isn't that what you were saying yesterday? There were rumors of more restrictions for police officers. Right. Right? That's something you talked about yesterday. Had multiple people reach out to me that that civilian merit board that basically is in charge of policy for IMPD, um, they're going to have it in front of them, somebody, and we don't know who, 
put forth a plan to eliminate police chases involving stolen cars. So if you're at a gas station and somebody carjacks you, throws you out, takes your car, and there's an officer nearby, sorry, we can't chase him. That's the policy in several cities across the country and one that's rumored to be uh, going to be implemented here, although we don't have... That's the push, anyway. There's going to be a motion for that, is what you're hearing. Is that what you're saying? It was brought forth. Uh, We don't know all the ins and outs of the plan, what the exceptions are, uh, but I do believe that Civilian Merit Board is going to be taking a look at that and voting on that sometime in the near future. Uh, Big Nige, let's shift gears just a little bit and get into some vaccine stuff. Pharmacies. Antibodies. Side effects. Secret Camera! Vaccine stuff. Myocarditis. (laughs) So for those who don't know who Project Veritas is, real quick, Nige, who are they? Well, Project Veritas is, they basically go undercover and expose liberal media bias. Right. They have basically an employee that's wearing a wire, hidden camera and a wire. Several employees. That's embedded with these liberal outlets. We've seen videos from a number of them. The latest one, the employee that was embedded at Pfizer speaking to the Pfizer executive (laughs) This is crazy. So Jordan Tristan Walker, he's the Pfizer Director of Research and Development of Strategic Operations, MRNA Scientific Planner. Somebody was having like a casual dinner, drinks, you know, cocktails hour with this guy. And they started talking about Pfizer's plan moving forward ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No. Don't tell anyone what's going on. You gotta publish your own time. You gotta publish your own time. We're exploring, like, now, you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can, we can create developed new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're gonna do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. It be, like, very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like you know it goes everywhere something crazy fact is the way that the virus started and moving on to be honest like it's, it makes no sense if this virus popped out of nowhere and like yeah i know so, so I, I know it's kind of hard to understand what he was saying there but the gist was one of the things we're exploring is like why don't we just mutate it ourselves so that we cre- could create preemptively and develop new vaccines so, which is which is gain of function research, right. which is what happened in Wuhan and how this thing got started in, in the first place. And I retweeted that a little bit earlier. You can find it at Hammer and Nigel. That's some scary stuff right there. That they're wanting to mutate this just so they can develop a vaccine for it and continue to make money. That's gross. That's dangerous. Let's take a look at the roads with Matt Bear. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. It is the Hammer and Nigel show. Last night we aired the uh, 1978 documentary about the uh, a blizzard of 78, an hour-long retrospective. Excellent uh, special from the WIB newsroom that was, I think that one was about five years old. We've got a new one airing tonight, Hammer. So the one tonight, coming up right after our program at 7, is about Bob Ross, happy little trees guy, and his <laughs> Indiana ties, and... 
We've got Donnie Burgess with us from the WIBC Newsroom. Hey, Donnie. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm a Ball Stater, so I know about the Indiana ties of Bob Ross and the museum that he used to film The Joy of Painting in. It was kind of like a place where if you went to Ball State, you had to see it at least once. Tell me about the special tonight. Well, I'm glad you said that because this special really is for people who know Bob Ross, who may have heard of Bob Ross, or this is going to be their first time ever hearing the man's name. Now, that's the guy with like the poofy like white man afro, Big. and he painted the happy little trees, right? <laughs> Big poofy hair, happy clouds, soft-spoken voice. Um, and he's been all over public television since the 1980s. Uh, this documentary is all about Bob Ross, his life and career, but it's also exploring the aspect of him, as you said, that um, this has never really been explored in depth like this before, is the Indiana ties. How did the show come to Muncie, Indiana? Why did he stay in Muncie, Indiana? And how is he honored to this day as an adopted Hoosier? Did So it didn't originate... His show, did it not originate in Indiana? His show started at WNVC in Fairfax, Virginia, and uh, you'll get into it in the special a little bit. They just, they were not good. They were not good at what they did, and Bob was ready to pack up and hit the road, and that's when he uh, came into the Hoosier State and found Muncie. Now, Bob passed away a number of years ago. There was a special, I think it was on Netflix, like a year or two ago, and I watched it, and you leave that special feeling sorry for Bob Ross because it felt like a lot of people around him took advantage of him, and like his immediate family left behind doesn't get a lot of the money that they should probably get. Now, tonight's special, does it include any of that kind of stuff? So I did not go into some of the... Uh, accusations or legal things of who owns what or who got left behind or money, things like yeah, that. It seems kind of con- convoluted. Well, it's also things that I can't tangibly get my hands on. Yeah. So I, I want to be able to deal with the hard facts here. But um, what I've done with this special is the Netflix one talked to Bob and those close to him. There's a PBS one that talked to the Bob Ross company. I had both. I and got everyone. There's a big divide between... Bob Ross's family and the Bob Ross company. Is that correct? Yeah, well, there's there's definitely tension there because um, there there are just there's accusations of uh, just things going going south with the business and everything. But that but this one is more of just uh, his career and and really the, the heart of this story is is people fighting for a community and fighting for a passion and something they they love and cherish and want to. Uh, pass on to the next generation. Yeah, isn't it funny? I mean, show business is show business. No matter who it is, it's like this guy, this this mild-mannered, very calm, talented guy that somehow became an icon, a beloved icon uh, in the world of public television. And, you know, behind the scenes, it's turmoil. He was just a man who wanted to paint yes. and put smiles on people's faces. But, you know, at the same time that he may or may not have been dealing with those issues... He's also dying yeah. at the same time. He's fighting cancer at the same time. So it's he lived a tough and also served in the military for 20 years. He lived a tough life in 52 years. Did he always have that hair? 
No, actually. Like, did that. he? Like, how do you put a hat? Like, you put a beanie on that thing and it just disappears. You know what I mean? He didn't like, always he, have he, it. Did he have a hat or anything? That, <laughs> just to, for a disguise? Or he always had that poofy afro. He could not rob a store anywhere in America, but he. <laughs> You're right. He wanted he wanted it at first, and then he realized, oh, God, this is a lot to take care of. I don't want this anymore, but too late. But, You're but iconic Yeah, now. that's that was part of his identity, wasn't it? Was Absolutely. that hair? Absolutely. Where are, where are Bob Ross's paintings now? So but they're spread all over the place. They have, as Hammer mentioned earlier, at the Bob Ross Experience in Muncie, Indiana, uh, there are paintings there. There are paintings at the uh, headquarters in Virginia. There are paintings in Florida because uh, uh, Bob's son lives in Florida and... The uh, there's a artist hall of fame there as well that has some of his stuff. So it's it's kind of spread all throughout the world. I wonder actually. if anybody and you might not know the answer to this question. I don't know, but have any of his paintings been auctioned off for money, or, or do are any of them privately owned? I so, think you know, hanging up in somebody's house and in, in in Muncie somewhere right now. I think one popped up online for like ten grand a couple of years ago. And that was that's like the last time it had been seen. Wow. So yeah, that, interesting. It's hard to find one. Donnie Burgess is our guest with the WIBC Newsroom. Seven o'clock tonight. Uh, it's got a special on Bob Ross and the Indiana ties. What did you learn from this project? What did you learn from putting this documentary together? I learned how you know it was really it was still the wild west of television, and in the sense of you could put almost anything on television, but it had to be good. And you and you had to fight for it. You had to be really good at it, and you had to have people behind it. And I, I talked to everyone from the director of The Joy of Painting to uh, the man who signed the deal with Bob to bring him to WIPB in Muncie, Indiana. Um, I, I spoke to these people who talked about the ins and outs of, of keeping the show on the air, the drive to keep it on the air, and what I found... Uh, so fascinating for people who will listen to this within the borders of Indiana is the, the the real Hoosier drive behind this. I mean, the the joy of painting does not start in 1983. It starts with the creation of public television in Indianapolis all the way back in the 60s. Was there anybody that said, you know, we don't want to speak to you about this project? No, actually, I got... Uh, I got almost everyone I wanted except for Bob's son, Steve, and it's not that he was unwilling, but Steve, unfortunately, um, he had a very, uh, very bad medical emergency, so he's he's fighting through that right now. He's doing better, and hopefully he and I will sit down over a paintbrush one day and get to talking. <laughs> you know, the WIBC newsroom, you and Chris Davis, who's no longer with the station, I know I know, he moved uh, back to his hometown, but you guys do an incredible job with these specials. And how, how long did it take you to put this together and get all the information for this hour special happening tonight? I started working on this on October 29th. Wow. That's of how, last year because it was a lot of footwork. It was a lot of shoe leather trying to get people for interviews. How many days and nights did you have to spend up in Funcy, Indiana? Oh, Donnie? I spent a whole weekend, <laughs> and really? I travel. I traveled through uh, the Ball State campus. Did you I hit really the chug, Donnie? Did you hit the chug? <laughs> Is my fake ID still hanging up at Cardinal Liquors? I didn't hit the chug, but someone told me about Pizza King that I didn't stop by, so <laughs> yes. I regret that. But um, you know the. I, uh, one thing I would regret not saying is that the big one of the biggest influences of doing this was I discovered Bob Ross in 2020 because his big bushy hair was right next to 
WIBC's Terry Stacy in the Indiana Broadcasters Hall of Fame class. Oh, wow. That's right. I forgot. They Wait, went what? into the same Hall of Fame class together. Bob Ross was a posthumous oh, oh, induction. That's right. Okay. The same. Okay. The I same thought you were going to say Matt Hiblin, our executive producer, because he's kind of <laughs> rocking the Bob Ross hairstyle, too. Oh, he's, you should see the Chia Pet in the office. Hey, hey. All right. One more time, uh, Donnie. What is the special? When can we hear it? And all that good stuff. The Joy of Muncie, Bob Ross in Indiana tonight at 7 on 93 WIBC. Sunday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon as well. And if you can't find yourself in a car during those times, you can stream it online at WIBC.com. Donnie Burgess, thank you. Thanks, thank you, gentlemen. Rob Kendall's going to go off the rails coming up right after a look at the news. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Cameron and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Indigo off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. All right. Let's start uh, internationally. Joe Biden announcing yesterday sending about, what, like 31 Abrams tanks to Ukraine as military aid. Your initial thoughts when you uh, heard this? Well, I think any intellectually honest person now looks at the continued escalation of this conflict, which is funded in large part by the United States of America with printed money, and you realize the only logical conclusion of this is human intervention. And when we talk about human intervention, we all know the EU is not going to really lift a finger on this. It'll be, as it always is, United States military personnel. I mean, what is the other logical conclusion to what's going on? It's a slow build, don't you think? Because at first they wanted missiles, and we are like, nah, we're not going to give you missiles. And then they gave them missiles. And now it's tanks. And then it was uh, fighter jets. I mean, if we give them tanks, then we're going to have to train them how to use them. American soldiers are going to have to go over there and train uh, Ukraine soldiers how to use these. It just seems like there's no, th- it's like a frog in boiling water. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Like, like it's just this is a slow build to something and doesn't seem to have an end in sight. Nobody's talking about an end to this. Well, what has happened with Ukraine is so insulting to America and American taxpayers. I mean, we are a year into this. We have spent tens of billions of dollars. It's about to get a lot more expensive. And we have no idea where that money's actually gone, what the return on investment is for that money. And the, the crazy thing about this, this is how little we always talk about us versus them, right? It's not Democrat versus Republican. It's us versus them. It's the people against the politicians and the ruling class. And this is how little them care about us that you Democrats and Republicans alike. There's no almost no pushback from people not named Tom Thomas Massey or Rand Paul yeah. to try to find out where the money's even gone. Nobody cares. The United States is treating Ukraine like they're this longtime yeah. ally, like they're the UK or something here. And do the slightest little bit of history, it wasn't that long ago that Ukraine was 
Team Saddam Hussein when the U.S. and Iraq were having a little back and forth here. Politicians in this country have a sickening lust for the military-industrial complex. Yeah. And it's they have that sickening lust because the military-industrial complex uh, is who props them up and who ensures that these people keep getting reelected. And so what you have is with printed American money, which is driving inflation, you are escalating this country towards human intervention, which will cost human lives in order to, as it almost always is, from Vietnam to Iraq and all points in between, about making super rich mega corporations even richer. All right, so pass me that tinfoil hat. Oh, here you go. Right next yeah, to yeah, there you <laughs> go. Put this tinfoil hat on. I firmly believe that the reason the United States is still funding this is the relationship Hunter Biden has with Ukraine. Had this been any other Democrat, not, I'm not even saying Republican, had this been Gavin Newsom or Pete Buttigieg or even Kamala Harris, do you think the United States would still be pumping dollar after dollar to Ukraine? To me, it feels like the only reason we're doing this is because Biden knows that Zelensky's got him by the short hairs. Well, if you stop sending some aid and fighter jets and tanks and all this stuff over here, here maybe news about your idiot son gets out he goes to jail and you get impeached yeah but the problem is the republicans now have the ability to stop this and they're not and not only are they not stopping it in the house you have people like president victoria sparts uh who is cheerleading this that this continued this war is not ending it's not going to end anytime soon and the only way it will end the only logical conclusion and i'm not even sure that gets you to a logical conclusion but the only logical next or eventual step becomes human intervention so so if you want American troops to go fight and die in another ill-begotten war, which no. is always the way it works, no. you just keep cheerleading for never-ending money going to Ukraine because that's where it ends. And Nigel and I talk about this all the time. It doesn't make you a bad person for saying, I don't want my money to go to Ukraine because the American media machine will spin this as, well, you're carrying the water for Vladimir Putin. You're a Putin supporter. No, I've said it before. I hope Putin dies a slow and painful death probably in a genital region. I hope that happens. <laughs> but I also don't want all of our tax dollars going to a country that doesn't really like us. And I'd just like to simply know, what have we gotten for our investment? Exactly. Like in any other business, okay, we spent X for A, B, and C. A, B, and C produced X, Y, and Z. And so was the cost of X, Y, and Z worth what we gave to it? We don't know. And the reason we don't know is because it's not these people, these people being the Congress and Joe Biden, it's not their money. They just print it. They put it on the backs of future generations. They put it on the backs of the American taxpayer right now with rising inflation. And they just, they don't care about us at all but we elect these people somebody voted for hi good night everybody so you get the government you deserve going off the rails with rob kendall here on the hammer and nigel show so let's bring it back a little closer to home former midday guy oh yeah mike pence mm -hmm. he had some classified documents found at his casa up in hamilton county and the report came out today that it's kind of what we already knew. It was nothing damning. It was briefings that somebody would give to him before he took a trip overseas. Nothing completely out in left field, but he still went out of his way to self-report and basically throw a lifeline to Joe Biden here. Well, and the bigger issue here is Mike Pence went on national television in November 
And this is what Mike Pence does. He went on national television in November on ABC and with that with a holier than thou attitude because Mike Pence wants to run for president. And Mike Pence recognizes Donald Trump is one of the two hurdles he would have to get past to become the Republican nominee for president, which if Mike Pence's people were honest with him, which they're not because they're gravy train people, they would tell him, Mike, you have as much chance of being president as Rob Kendall and he's not running. But he went on <laughs> national television in an effort to try to get one up on Trump with that smug look on his face and act like he was somehow better than anybody else and said, oh, no, I've never taken any classified documents. There'd be no reason for, for me to have classified documents. it wasn't documents. a strong no. Like, <laughs> if you watch that, it sounds like when Nigel's wife asked him, <laughs> did you have any beers today? <laughs> uh, 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 no. No. I never. Like, that's kind of the answer it was if you go back and sure, watch that. Because, but this is the point, right? It's not that the people have the documents. It's not that he had the documents. It's not the Biden. Had, now, the Biden stuff from the Senate is a much bigger issue because there's zero, zero. We had a, we had a guy on today who has handled classified documents, NSA, um, former re- retired member of the U.S. military, and he talked about senators and how they see these classified documents. I mean, there's zero reason Joe Biden should have had classified documents from when he was a senator. And there's videos that show his drug addict son leaving the garage door open, taking the vet out, yep. going for rides. The garage is open classified documents right there yeah you know last night i noticed i'd left the garage door open for a little bit and i went back out and i peeked out in the garage and i said wow i pulled a hunter biden the garage <laughs> is just open for anyone to waltz right in here but the point is when you act like biden did and like pence did that you're better than someone that someone's committed some egregious you know party foul here well then you deserve all the scrutiny because you didn't say the right thing which is you know things can happen and maybe i've got some i don't know about i don't think i do i've tried to be as careful as i could but you know who knows Maybe somebody put a, a document in a wrong folder. Who knows? They didn't here, do that. Here's, here's that Pence audio here. You take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh, I, I did not. <laughs> uh, Nigel, did you have 10 beers with your buddies? Uh, 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 did, uh, uh, no, no, no. I, uh, did you take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh I, I, I did not. <laughs> it wasn't a strong, hard <laughs> denial. Every dude has given that answer at some point in their life. Hey, you mentioned um, uh, the GOP primary and polling. We've been talking about polls. What do you make of these polls? Like, uh, There was one poll that just came out that said Trump would trounce DeSantis in a GOP primary in the race for president. A uh, poll last week said the complete opposite. If you are a person who at this point is putting any weight on polling, I (laughs) urge you to seek some sort of help uh, as soon as humanly possible because nobody has any idea, right? It depends on who you get, how you ask the question. You're not going to have any idea of how this race is shaping up until probably August or September because if DeSantis is smart, he will not get in until August or September because he's not going to have any trouble raising money and he just needs to keep governing Florida effectively and let Trump continue to just put his foot in his mouth, which we all know he will continue to do. Did you see Ron DeSantis making the rounds at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Jacksonville Jags game? Kind of a rock star, isn't he? He was. And he went on the road to support, you know, his Jags from Florida. You know, he's in enemy territory, but people are high-fiving him. They're yelling at him, run for president! How could you not like Ron DeSantis? I mean, the guy faithfully served his country. He is, you know, by all accounts, he was a prosecutor. He's lived an exemplary life. He's lived a life of service. And you can count on 
on the guy. Ron DeSantis is like the one dude. You, you, last week we got into this with Jim Banks. Like, do you like anyone? Yes, I like Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis actually does what he says he's going to do, and he doesn't worry about whose ring finger he's got to kiss or how it's going to play politically. He actually stands up for the people. Can you stick around for a second segment? Absolutely. All right. It's uh, Off the Rails with Rob Kendall. We'll be right back. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. Hello. We're back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, off the Rails Part 2 with Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. What were you guys talking about today uh, about TV shows? So the Sesame Street guy, one of the co-creators of Sesame Street, passed away. He was, I think, 93. And we started talking about what, you know, what is the most, in, you know, kind of influential or important show uh, yeah, that, it, that there has ever been. And, you know, so we kind of came up with three really criterias that you would judge it by. Uh, longevity, uh, societal impact, and then total viewers. And so we kind of got on various famous shows and how you you would based on the those criteria where they would where they would land and i heard a lot of people say like well seinfeld seinfeld you know reinvigorated the sitcom it changed the game but it wasn't on very long right so there's no longevity right. with seinfeld as a matter of fact they signed off early which was kind of one of the redeeming parts of the show right right yeah, they it, went out on top it never got stale leaving on a high note and so if you're thinking longevity you've got to think like okay obviously sesame street you've got to think you know even the but a lot of these soap operas i mean either the young and the restless general hospital the price is right jeopardy wheel of fortune all of these i think when you factor longevity into your equation have got to be at the top well, of the list the simpsons they're the longest running yeah, but here's the thing, Nigel. I know Hammer will agree with me on this. After about the first eight years, it's basically just complete crap. So do we give credit for 20-plus years of total I mean, it's totally still awful? on the air, though. Like, I would argue that also after the first couple seasons of Sesame Street, there's only so many times you can hear the letter C before well, it becomes Well, I know, but here's the thing. I, you know, whenever I get fired here, I'm going back to community radio. I'll still be on the air. I mean, does it count? What about 60 Minutes? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point because it technically is. It's ep- a weekly show. It's not a weekday, but yeah. you know, yeah, I think that falls in the category. I think if you take the longevity, and I think your top of the, the upper echelon have got to certainly be Sesame Street, but also like Jeopardy has got to be in there. I think Wheel of Fortune. You know, you think about the still a very popular show, and then one of these soap operas. If we're call, like looking for a Mount Rushmore, you look at these game shows like for oh, so yeah. long. It was the same host. Yeah. Now, I know Price is Right now has Drew Carey, but Bob Barker yeah. was you know, on that thing forever. And look at Pat and Vanna over at Wheel of Fortune. They're still holding it down. Now, where are we at on South Park? Because South Park does so few episodes now, and I get that it's been on for 25 years, and it's still kind of a juggernaut, but they just do so few episodes anymore. And it's always been on cable. Yeah. And we think everybody has cable and streaming but that's not the case. I mean, you look at the football games that are just on cable networks compared to the regular networks. It's not even close in terms of the viewership. So I still think there's a lot of people who might not have ever seen a South Park episode. Yeah, I, I've not seen it. It's been so long and not intentionally. I just don't have the stuff anymore. Like the PC principal was the episodes the last time <laughs> I, I saw it. So. What, about, uh, what about The View? Is The View... Um, uh... 
up there. Uh, how long has a view been on TV? Oh, just, good uh, just Lord. Asking. You know, any show in which they say Dr. Jill Biden would make a great Surgeon General really has <laughs> really has captured the heart of a nation. Imagine someone saying that and not being the dumb one on the yeah, show. Yeah, no, no, the, that yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. No, so I thought it'll be interesting to see what calls we open that up to the voicemail tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of calls we get on that. What's coming up on the big show tomorrow? Well, there's a new article out about how Hoosiers are not feeling it for Mike Pence running for president. And, well, they asked me to be in the article. And you know how I hate to say anything negative about Mike Pence. But I said, well, okay, I'll offer a few tidbits here or there. So we're going to talk about that. And thanks again to uh, Garage Doors of Indianapolis, our very fabulous sponsor. Rob Kendall, he's off the rails. Thanks, Rob. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.